This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at home? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Pohino! Still it's not away. Southgate's shot. Milosevic scores. DPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. Brian Roy has headed for it into the lead. Whelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Whelan. No power on it whatsoever. But Taibbi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And we have no Michael Marden this week. And indeed, we have no John Hare either. John Hare was meant to be out this morning, but instead, Michael decided to blow up his Commodore 64 that he edits on over the weekend, (laughs) put in too many dodgy tapes, and so everything went to pot. No John Hare this week. The worst thing was he got to the final final level of Treasureland Dizzy as well. (laughs) But he was desperately gutted. So Josh and I decided, well, we're just going to put out a little special correspondence episode to keep you ticking over until next week when John Hare and Michael can make a triumphant return. Um, just talking about Commodore 64, it just reminded me that my Commodore 64 used to crash all the time as Did you were it? loading games. Yeah, awful. Hardly ever How worked. You, what, what is your favourite? We've never really discussed the Commodore 64. Were you a Commodore 64 over Spectrum man? I, I don't really... I didn't really have the choice. I, I got a Commodore 64 for Christmas once, but... I, I, I had about three, three games, and I could only ever get one of them to work. Do you know, this is a, this is a um, computer game story, a football story, sorry. Um, so we went to Dixon's in Newton Abbott uh, just before Christmas in about, I don't know what year. Maybe it was 1990 or 91, just when I got into football, right? And they had, um, they had like a football play, football game playing on a screen called International Soccer. And there and then, I said, "That is what I want for Christmas." Wow! And it was, and it was, but it wasn't just the Commodore 64. It was the Commodore 64 console version. So it didn't even have the like the, the typing or anything. It was just cartridges, 
and you couldn't get any games for it because there was only about four games in. <laughs> so it was complete. I had that and I had Flimbo's Quest. And I had a thing called Feeding This Freddy's Big Top O Fun that was a game based where you did different circus skills. <laughs> I had uh, on my Commodore 64 Mike Reed's Pop Quiz. And, well, Mike uh, Reed, the DJ, not Frank Butcher. Well, that's the thing. I thought, I was like, this guy looks nothing like Mike Reed, thinking it was Frank Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Only like years later did I realise there was an old Radio 1 DJ called Mike Reed, which made way more sense when I figured it out. Also, I love the idea that you'd have purchased a computer game purely on the fact that it was endorsed by Frank Butcher. I mean, you he... already had, um, you already had, um, Pam St. Clement's Fruit Machine, didn't you? That was the other one. <laughs> and June Brown's Soccer Special. <laughs> Do send in your your fictional EastEnders Commodore 64 video games. Hello at quicklykevin.com. And then Michael will check the inbox and go, what the hell were you two talking about? <laughs> what I love is this like, teacher away is so we can talk about EastEnders rather than football. We've never wanted to talk about football in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. What was your favourite ever episode of EastEnders from the 90s? Go oh, I was just thinking of the one where Frank Butcher came in with the t- bow tie that spun. Tie. Yeah. And it was, he was laying it on with Pat, wasn't he? That, that was what that yeah, was about. Yeah, he was having an affair with Pat she was going out. Why have we never mentioned this before? She was going out with someone called Roy Evans. Oh my, do you know what? I've always thought that. What a strange, like, when they decide a character's name, doesn't someone put their hand up and go... Liverpool's manager's Roy Evans. That was the same time. <laughs> it's too weird. But they'd originally changed it. There's a couple of scenes they'd filmed where he's called Gerard Julio. <laughs> but, do you remember when uh, the character of Roy Evans was played by two actors simultaneously? That's what? A, that's a joke. That's a. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> because... That's the Gerard Julio Roy oh, yeah. Evans joke. No, that was, that was. Do you know why that that struck as real to me? Because obviously, in Neighbours, there was a brief period. Do you remember Cheryl Stark? Who um, who uh, was married to? Did you watch Neighbours? Yes. Yeah. So Cheryl Stark, who was married to Lou, she um, for about eight weeks, she was just played by a different actress, <laughs> and who had who had blonde hair rather than red and a different face, but they just didn't address it, and then she just changed back, <laughs> like in a UK sick and so they'd get rid of the act, they'd get rid of the character, they'd write the character out for eight weeks. But they were just like, yeah, Cheryl looks different for eight weeks. It completely ruined it for me. <laughs> Is it Sam Mitchell, Daniela Westbrook? Yeah, was she that... changed, didn't she? I mean, it, I always find it, it's, it's astonishing, really. I mean, the character is just, it's finished. You can't turn yeah. up with a new character and everyone reacts like it's the old one. That's the worst bit. When they when they first, the new actor turns up as Sam Mitchell, everyone has to keep going, Sam! <laughs> so that it's clear to the audience. <laughs> it just doesn't work, does it? No. Yeah. Do you know what, Chris? We should just record ourselves for us. So what is the point of us interviewing footballers? This is much better. Do you know what I watched, I watched the other day? The scene where Harold Bishop goes missing. Oh, I've not watched that in years. Is it good? I, it's, it's definitely not what I remember. No? He just kind of wanders, yeah, he just kind of wanders off the rocks, disappears. Like it's, it looks really rubbish, like I really remember, cheaply done. But I remember thinking it was epic. Well, I remember a mad... Like holding his glass, like, don't, don't his glasses get found? What, on wash the up on the shore. They wash up on the shore. So I remember Madge crying with his glasses. <laughs> um, my favourite death scene in Neighbours is when Helen Daniels dies. Oh my god! Yes, um, and she dies 
being how uh, what that they're watching. She she sat around with Button, uh, her granddaughter, what's she called Hannah, and um, but she was called Button and like uh, Philip and Debbie and people, and then they're watching Scott and Charlene's wedding on a on a um, home video of it, and then she kind of drifts off and dies watching that, which is a nice poetic kind of way to end it, right? But um, because obviously they've only got Scott and Charlene's wedding shot as it was shot for the neighbours. Like, they're watching this home video and it's got, like, six different camera angles. <laughs> and it's got, like, swooping shots and it's got, like, close-ups of Charlie. <laughs> You're like, surely there was a way around that. Maybe that's... Uh, Helen Daniels started thinking about that and that's what, that's what finished her off. <laughs> Blew her mind. <laughs> <laughs> she did it on her death certificate. It says, blown mind. <laughs> I'm Jim Rosenthal and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Right, we should say why we're here. So um, we wanted to use this opportunity to do some correspondence because we've had so much good correspondence um, from you guys uh, that we, we just thought we'd um, we'd do some. Chris, we've had a lot of name games. Do you want them? Love it. Love the name game so much. You love the name game, right. Yeah. So Michael's not here to adjudicate. What I love now, right, is because I'm getting quite a lot of these name games in. You know, like in chess, there's like known starts and stuff like there's classic kind of in chess there'll be like positions that repeat themselves because players yeah. will do like you know whatever the the russian opening or whatever it would be there's like patterns of names that are like classic three or four long chains that everyone's doing you can say john collins collins john <laughs> i mean yeah, that no, is, no, that's a gets, staple there's there's, there's, be- there's bigger ones than that but they, these um so uh should we start with this this is a good one, but it's a classic one which really relies on always being first names. Okay, so this is a um, this is a ten, and a ten these days is kind of par for what we're receiving. This is from Neil Fay, Stern John, John Charles, Charlie Daniels, Daniel James, James Collin, Collins John, John Collins, <laughs> Colin Lee, Lee Clark, Clark Carlisle. Ooh. I mean that's a. Did nothing you can quibble with there. No, there? was there a He's... Charles Charlie? I mean, if you really there was a Charles Charlie, but I think you can allow that. Yeah, in a court of law, they'd have to allow that. Are you going to allow this though? This person, Liam Olivier, Oliver, sorry, um, has gone with his, his subject of his email is name change, smashed it fifteen. Whoa, he says, brace yourselves. Okay, Idan Tal. Do you know who that is? No. No. Tal Ben I by Ben Hayim. Ben Roberts. I'm gonna to have to stop him there. <laughs> you can't go Tal You've got ben to be Haim, going Haim. You've got to be starting with Haim. Yeah. You've got to be going Tal Ben Haim Naim. At best. As a push. <laughs> so we well, I think we're just banning that one there. I do apologise, Liam Olivier, but you can't go Tal Ben Haim Ben Roberts. That is an unbelievable <laughs> move. Um this one's Dodgy Footballer's Name Link from Glavin Blackwell. Lucien Laurent, who he's put in brackets, scored first ever World Cup goal. Laurent Robert. Roberto Di Matteo. Matteo Damian. Damien Matthew. Mm. Matt Ritchie. Richie Morgan. Morgan Bryan. Don't know who that is. Brian Dean. Dean Oliver. Oliver Florent. Florent Andre. Andre Mark. Mark Howard. Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Stern. <laughs> Howard Stern. 
And then obviously Stern, John, John, Collins, Collins, John. John Terry, Thierry Henry. That is an absolutely classic sequence. <laughs> and then Henri Savon, whoever that is. It's quite a good one, but I think Howard Stern in the middle. You, yeah, you lost me there. <laughs> so we're still a perfect 10 as the uh, House Martins sang. Not the House Martins. Um, Beautiful sound. Oh, Chain of Twelve from Dominic Field. Oh, go on. Fanidi George. George Graham. Graham Stewart. Stuart O'Keefe. Keith Eddy. Eddie Pope. Pope John Paul. <laughs> Paul Stewart. <laughs> it's the, my favourite thing about these name next, games. Next, Next to Pope John John Paul II, in brackets, famously a goalkeeper. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) he was famously a goalkeeper. He was famously a goalkeeper. I think, Joe, what? We're going to have to allow this. We're going to have to allow it. So, (laughs) Pope John Paul, Paul Stewart, Stuart Dallas, Dallas J, J. Emmanuel Thomas, Thomas Finney. And then he's put... Finney D. George. And then it loops around again. <laughs> Perfect circle. It goes on forever. It goes on forever. That is a great, great... Also, and can you do this if you're submitting them? So 12 is now the, the benchmark. Dominic Field has put in brackets who, like, their teams and who they are, which is very helpful for us because I didn't know who Stuart O'Keefe was from the start. Do you want to hear that one more time? Because it is glorious. Yeah. Fanidi George. George Graham. Graham Stewart. Stuart O'Keefe. Keith Eddy. Which is funny in itself. We, we overlook that that's a funny link. Eddie Pope. Pope John Paul II. Paul Stewart. Stuart Dallas. Dallas J. J. Emmanuel Thomas. Thomas Finney. Fanidi George. <laughs> George Graham and off we go again. George Graham and off we go um, Is it controversial Pope John Paul II shouldn't he be using second there instead of oh, Paul Oh I think that's um, I mean Pope John that would be <laughs> I mean, brutal I'm just trying to put my head inside Michael's what would he say Yeah I mean, <laughs> I mean We'll have to wait blown. to find out Yeah we're, um, The 9s and 10s I'm sorry So so the it's 12s or above we're looking for now and we will be uh, needing uh, the uh, the people to. Um, could you put what they do, who they play, what they do, footballers, why they footballers? Because some of them we haven't heard of. Okay, do you want to hear? Um, do you remember when we talked about Tony Curry? No, I never forget it. Right. This is called. This is from um, someone called John Paul Davis. In fact, so uh, it might be Pope John no, Paul. Any relation? <laughs> right. Hi, I was listening to the When Saturday Comes episode the other day when you were discussing Sheffield United and England legend, Tony Curry. A few years ago, he moved onto my parents' street in Worksop. We only knew who he was because he had a sponsored van with his name on the side. He regularly walks his dogs on the field behind my parents' house. And one day, he accidentally threw the dog balls into my parents' garden. We know this because he put a note through their door asking for the balls back. Fair enough. But in a twist, worthy of an episode of Alan Partridge, he wrote the note on a postcard featuring his own career stats. See below the photographic proof. Do you know what, Scott? I'm going to just send it to you now. 
So oh, that's lovely. The that is what he's done the note on. So Tony Curry is made created his own kind of autograph cards and on those autograph cards he's put his league career statistics as well as the amount yeah. of caps he got for England under 23s England and as an England youth so he's made that himself which is totally fair enough because obviously Tony Curry's a famous person but then he's obviously thrown some balls into someone's back garden and then he's thought I'll write it on that <laughs> <laughs> I've sent you the back of the card he's put many yeah. thanks and then his house number we won't say that isn't that bizarre? I know. So Tony Curry's written. So he's written on the back. There are two rugby balls in your back garden. I must be getting old. Could you save them for me? I'll pick them up when you come in. Many, Many thanks. thanks. Number fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you if you got that card from Tony Curry? Uh, someone written on that Tony Curry card. Would you necessarily be expecting that Tony Curry would no, actually you, turn up? You you'd presume that someone had got a Tony Curry, like got us for some reason, got a Tony Curry based postcard. You wouldn't be expecting that Tony Curry himself <laughs> was using that as his calling card whenever he lost something. Whenever I lose a ball, what I like to do is just let them know it's me and also let them know that I played eighteen goals for what eighteen games for Watford scored nine goals. That's one game every one goal every two games. Can't beat that. And and uh, scored a single goal for Torquay. Scored a single goal for Torquay United. <laughs> he spent most of his career at Sheffield United and it doesn't mention when Saturday comes on it. Um, um, I, I've got another bit of a gossip. Do you remember we, we previously talked about Tony Coton uh, a fair bit yeah. in this series, but also in the Premier Passions documentary. So there I am watching the new series of um, Sunderland Till I Die, and oh, yeah. Sunderland's head of recruitment, Mr. Tony Coton. Oh, is he? He's still there. And it in, plays a fairly oh, yeah. major role in the new series of uh, Sunderland Till I Die. And what's he like? Um... You don't really see much personality, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> His probably most involved scenes are the scenes in which they sign Will Grigg. Uh, Will, is it Will oh, yeah. Grigg or Will Griggs? Uh, I have literally <laughs> no idea. Well, because I'm, I'm mostly known from the song Will Griggs on Fire. But is that Will yes. Griggs? Will, yeah, well, you can't tell from that, No, can you can't. But anyway... If, you, if right. you're a fan of Tony Coton and you're looking for some Tony Coton content, new, se- new series of uh, Sunderland Till I Die is on Netflix. <laughs> Do you reckon that's bringing many people to Sunderland Till I Die? <laughs> Might see a bit of an uplift in viewers there. Stuart Boone has emailed in. Great show. I'm now starting, uh, staring to re-listen to the old ones. After Josh's bashing of 1966, I thought I'd do the same about Euro 96. How are you feeling about that, Scott? Mm. Okay, go on. I'll hear this one out. I don't think we were good at all, apart from the Holland game and Gaza's brilliance against Scotland. Switzerland, Scotland, Spain and most of the Germany game, we are poor. Anderson's easy chance, he also misses. Great song and Pierce had his passion back. Apart from these, we weren't great from Stuart in Blundsham. Um, I can understand why someone may have that revisionism of history, that opinion. But I don't what, know. I, it's do more you know my issue with that, if if I if I may, Skull. Yeah. Is I do, I think it is a complete misunderstanding of why people love Euro '96, and I am not into it. I I don't think you love a major tournament because your team has played well. I think that the thrill of your team getting to the semi-finals of a major tournament is. And, and what that does to the country and what that does to your experience of watching it and how that kind of fits into like the kind of 
how rarely that happens to you in your life. You couldn't give a shit if Spain should have beaten us. I don't think that's what it's about. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think about other tournaments where teams were good and love that as much as Euro 96. I just love it because we did well, right? Yeah, it's about being carried along on that national emotive wave, isn't it? It's about being belonging to a crowd of people who all want the same thing. That's ultimately what all of football is about, isn't it? Not necessarily just the performances. Would you take England being total shit at Euro 2021 or uh, but winning it? That is a great question. And I think the answer has to be yes. Yeah, you just, and that's why I maintain Big Sam should still be manager. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we saw what he was going to do, the potential in that single game he had. Yeah, did we? Yeah, I did, I did, did he win his game? I think it was, it, a, it was like record? a grimy 1 0 win over someone, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got 100%. Sure how many England managers have a 100% record? Well, exactly. Exactly. I walked past him at Stockport Station. Um, couple of months ago and um i should have stopped him and asked him to do the podcast i regret it i wonder how he's getting on with lockdown i bet he loves it yeah he'll have a huge house he hasn't got a job anyway well you say he's got a huge house did you remember when he got sacked as england manager the sky cameras went outside his house when a big kind of national scandal grow uh, kind of blows up big sam came out of his house and it came up bolted like he lives in bolton and yeah. his house looks pretty ordinary from the outside. It just looked like a te- like a kind of a bungalow. Really? Yeah, it looked like a normal street, unless it was around his mum's or something like that. But I can't imagine. I would have thought Big Sam had like a, almost a castle. It certainly <laughs> wasn't that. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a man who lives in a fort. If ever I saw one. Yeah. Oh man, do you reckon he's a good neighbour? Would you think if he knocked balls over his house, it, over your garden, he'd come around with a signed card? Yeah, and it would say, it was a, on the career stats, it would say England, one game, one win. <laughs> it just have a win rate, 100%. <laughs> right, you'll like this one. You'll like this one, Chris. Yeah. This is from James Hodges. Hello, gents. Just listened to the Ben Clark 1989-90 Man United Warts and All Expose. I was laughing at the bit about the Victorian moustache on the Newton Heath shirt, Newton Heath shirt in the United Museum. When I remembered... Their weird team photo from the 92-93 season. Clearly United's commercial manager was a big fan of fake Victorian moustaches, as he was of massive watch clocks. I'm going to send this to you now, girl. I remembered this, but I, you know those things you don't remember and then you see it, you're like, oh yeah. Oh yes. So describe it. So it's it's what year is this? I'd say this is ninety two ninety three. Ninety two ninety three, and it's Manchester United in their Newton Heath inspired away kit, and it's a publicity shot, and all the players are dressed up like have facial hair from the kind of nineteen hundreds. They've all been given Victorian moustaches. Victorian moustaches, except about five of them. <laughs> um, Brian McClare's in one. Uh, Steve Bruce is actually not wearing a, a moustache, but the, uh, Ryan Giggs has had his hair. Like his children, especially the kind of Fergie. Like, imagine suggesting to Alex Ferguson, we thought it'd be a bit of fun if you could dress up as a Victorian. Yeah, Alex Ferguson looks like a kind of American oil speculator there. (laughs) He does. (laughs) He He looks like he'd come and try and buy your property at a bargain basement price and then mine for oil or drill for oil. He looks like someone who, um, in like, I mean, this is too niche, but if you were to watch like, a Sherlock Holmes ITV2 one, 
he'd be someone that would be done for the crime and it would turn out he was American all along. <laughs> um, or he looks like a he looks like he looks like a horse racing trainer. He looks he like one of the people I imagine he, he then ends up caught in <laughs> problems with Gibraltar. Um Cantona's got a like centre party, a great a kind of a, a moustache with a real flair to it. Kind of like those like yeah. like proper Germans at Oktoberfest style. Yeah. It's and then is is it Brian Robson who's also dressed in a kind of? I can't tell who that is. Although Peter no, Schmeichel's wearing Robson. a flat cap, like a, a Peaky Blinder style flat cap. It's an amazing photo. We'll put it on our uh, Instagram and our Twitter. Thank you very much for it. I I find that imagine suggesting that now. It just but like to even to, I think it just shows basically that was ninety two ninety three. It shows how even like the year after just winning the league for the first time. Or was that not... He hadn't even won the league by that point, I don't think. So, Alex Ferguson, basically, he hadn't amassed his power base. It's a bit like him doing that documentary. He's still having to jump through these Manchester United commercial hoops. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? I just People were just more up for it, I think. I think the idea of fame in football and being asked to do things like this was so new that people just jumped at the chance when they were offered it. It was all so funny and unique. Whereas now everyone's so cynical. Yeah, yeah. It's a, um, I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. 90s football was better than now. Um, <laughs> except, for that ble- except for that brief moment when Big Sam was England manager. Except for the brief moment when Big Sam was England manager, which of course is the greatest that football has got. Um, we will be back uh, next Monday with the, with the uh, John Hare episode. This is the man behind Sensible Soccer. We're all very excited to meet him. Um, there was a lot of Commodore 64 chat, obviously, like this episode. So um, if you enjoyed that chat at the top, bit less EastEnders. Bit less EastEnders. But we really feel like we've scratched that itch. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to subscribe and listen. Uh, we are sorry it's a shorter episode this week. Uh, we are sorry there has been no Michael. Uh, but uh, we will be back as a three and a four with John Hare next Monday. Chris? Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.